Welcome. This is Inside Flicks. This is a movie review and discussion podcast created by three brothers. I'm Mike, and I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. And in this episode, we're going to talk Wonder Woman 1984. We're going to uh, talk about the current backlash. Well, this is the spoiler edition. Right. We're going to deep dive this. And But first, we, I want to talk about the current backlash and kind of all the negativity it's getting. And then later on, we're going to deep dive and really dissect the movie to see what scenes worked and what didn't work. So let's start with the backlash, because we all agree that these this movie has major, major problems. I What's interesting that Raymond here kind of enjoyed the movie. Rich, you kind of completely hated the movie. And I'm kind of in between you two. I, I kind of... Uh, understand that this was just pretty much a your basic typical bad superhero movie but i well it's definitely a a step down from the original so that's that's what makes it worse right and uh uh, but i think it's totally watchable i think people could watch it i mean well but it is two and a half hours it's ridiculously long even with the runtime i think it's it's not no it's never totally boring right i guess you could say that but it's just uh not uh it's a misstep. Yes, it's... I think Patty Jenkins made the Wonder Woman movie she always wanted to see, like, ever since she was a little girl. Oh. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I don't I don't think that's just the movie that people want today. You don't follow up, you don't follow up, you know, one of the best comic book movies, you know, uh, of the past, you know, 20 years with, you know, a movie that should have come out, like, 40 years ago. Well, I don't know. She meant it, this is might have been just the '84 vibe that she wanted to put into it. And that's that's what hurt it. Well, I think that's what Raymond's trying she to only, get out. She yeah. only pulling eighty. She only said it in the '80s because that, that's what time she was growing up. Yeah, it's full of nostalgia, and it's like a rosy colored version of the of the '80s. But let's talk about the backlash because it the movie is getting a lot of hate from critics, and everyone is picking the movie apart. And uh, I. I, I mean, I don't know why this movie. I mean, maybe it has something to do that the fact that Warner Brothers pushed this back a year, and when they pushed that back, the anticipation just got higher and higher and higher. And I don't think they could. And plus, they couldn't live up to the, the to the original Wonder Woman movie. So, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on the on the backlash itself? Well, uh, when they first revealed that um, the mall scene in a, in some kind of comic con uh years ago uh i heard there was a backlash on that scene because it totally was i mean it was it was um very blase it was uh uh the humor in it was didn't hit yeah, it didn't i was I, yeah i was at that panel and uh oh, okay. i i I, rem- I remember feeling really really weird about about that scene but they f- immediately followed it up with the the shazam trailer Oh okay, and okay. I was like, "Oh, okay, they're that. That's just the direction they're going in now." So, I, I it, it was it was jarring seeing that that mall scene because that they showed the not not the entire sequence, but you know most of it. What was the the yeah. feelings in the room for that scene? Well, you know, it, it was Comic Con, so everyone was you know cheering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone was happy anyway. Yeah, everyone yeah. was happy, but um, it was reported I, and uh uh. That they and WB wanted to add out the uh, th- the opening scene and, and Themyscira of uh, the both uh, opening scenes, both opening scenes. Both so the, the, yeah. the mall scene also. Yes, oh, they okay. wanted to re- they wanted to completely re- remove the eighties. 
<laughs> uh, that'll be a huge edit. <laughs> well, would it be really? Well, just that there was no cell phones. That's it. So it could have been early nineties. It, yeah, it could have been an easy fix. But I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Again, I think what Raymond was saying. Patty, Patty Jenkins had this idea of like this. You know, she's so in love with with Richard Donner's Superman. She wanted to and, and the Linda Carter TV series. Yeah. yeah, and she wanted to like use those two as a as a the base of this this 1984 film and i actually appreciate that about the movie but i understand that you know it, it probably was you know a, a bad decision <laughs> <laughs> but the opening scene to me was one of the better ones anyway so it's yeah and anna was an imax so but uh, but you know it's kind of weird because ne neither one of those sequences like um there should have been like an opening sequence like setting up the, the Dreamstone or something like that. That's you true know, too. Set like, yeah. Say like two thousand years in the past or something like that. Right. I, I thought it would. I thought it would have been really cool if like the Dreamstone had been like um used before. Like yeah. a, like an a, no. I thought it would have been cool if it was like an Aztec um Aztec um artifact artifact. Yes, and uh, maybe a, a Pedro Pascal's uh, Maxwell Lord's father had been oh uh, searching for it, and oh. then there would have been like a connection there with his with his family and then um or even uh, yeah. uh, uh christian wick's character uh barbara minerva yeah, she, i, I she thought she should have just cut her out of the movie <laughs> oh, well but she could she could have been like a, a true uh, indiana jones type uh maybe a, and uh be that would have been cool the uh be uh looking you know, for this the stone yeah for, for a long time uh before we get into like you know breaking down each scene let's let's uh, let me just really quick just say that i this is what i think why the movie didn't work I think the movie doesn't have any real villains and the idea of redemption in this movie, because I think this is what Patty Jenkins had said. She really didn't want to do like a hero defeats a, uh, the villain at the end with a big action sequence or something like that. She wanted to really show this redemption that people. She said she wanted to do that for the first Wonder Woman as well. Yeah. So she tried again here. And I think people just don't want that. You know, this idea that people who do harm and people who are power hungry and greedy that they're somehow redeemable is not something that people are clamoring for or demanding to see because, you know, we see in real life that there's people in yeah. the real world who are power hungry politically or whatever <laughs> and are greedy and we don't see, you know, and there's they're doing real harm to real people and we don't want to see them redeemed at all. It's just the wrong time for that. Do you think last year would have been a better time for it? Because this I, was originally supposed to come out last year. Yeah, I think I think it might have been a better. I think people would still have a problem with it, but I think the fact that we went this through was the, supposed to come out um, a month before Joker. So yeah, <laughs> it would complete opposites. <laughs> I think that yeah, I know that's true, but I I think because we, we came out of this really divisive political time uh, election that I I just it just didn't help it didn't help the movie. And also, I think the fact that it was 1984, I think uh, no one really cares about the 80s anymore. I think the, the, the at least this, this depiction of the 80s, this retro nostalgia of the 80s, I think people people don't really want to see this depiction of, of hey, look at, uh, at the, the simpler times thing. Because it's, like I said before, it's a rosy colored version of the 80s. And I think people want at least some more, if they want... I think first of all, I think they're tired of the eighties. And I, if do you if, think a nineteen fifties would have been a better setting for this? That could have been a possibility, but um, but I think a lot of people were saying that this should have been set after Justice League or after whatever the last movie was. Oh yeah, a lot a lot of people did want that. Yeah, I I, I read the complaint as well. 
That's a. I agree with that critique. Well, they're gonna they're, for Wonder Woman three. They're gonna set it in, in the in the present, and Patty Jenkins said that somehow uh, Cheetah might return. Yeah, I guess. I don't so. know how that. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, and also another thing that I think that that did totally did not work in the movie was the geopolitics of the of the movie, the the, the whole subplot that you know about the mist, the Middle East. And all that stuff oh. with the oil oh. and the wall and all that. Yeah. I think that that should have been thrown out. I think that should have no. been. No, oh, come on. But visually, that was such a cool sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so, it was done so clumsily and so it was done so thoughtless that I think it, you know, it, oh, came, out, I, it came off as a one dimensional type of idea and which gave room for people to call, you know, call that scene or call these, these depictions of Middle Eastern people as racially insensitive or just stereotypical and and i think they should have just cut all that stuff out but we'll talk about that when we go scene by scene or we'll do our that was a that was a sequence that like as it was playing out i immediately just imagined uh gene gene hackman doing it as lex Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it feels very very much like an 80s show uh, yeah but that's idea. kind of what i loved about it <laughs> And I think what could have saved the movie, though, what could have saved the movie if it just added a little, a little bit more action scenes, if it had like maybe one or two more epic a- action scenes, people will lean onto on that and say, you know, the movie but then it would be longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it would. I think people would just lean on that and say, it, yeah, the movie isn't good, but it has these cool action scenes. So go see it. Kind of like the reaction they 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 had with uh, with Birds of Prey. Which is Ugh. a movie which I could you could easily tear apart also, but it's not done with the same in, indignation because it had you know Birds of Prey arguably had really great action scenes. I guess you could say that. Uh, all right, so let's break this down scene by scene, or at least some of the major scenes. Uh, okay, so the movie starts off with the big opening, right? You were mentioning this earlier. This is the IMAX opening, and it's a multi-stage athletic competition on the island of Thermoscara, and we see a young Diana Prince, and she is in, in a in a this a competition. She's around 11 years old or something like that. Probably less. Probably, yeah. So very young. She's the same actress, by the way, who played Diana in the first movie. Oh, she was? Okay. So, so she's got to be a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's, the, you know, where we see her kind of uh, going through this whole kind of competition. And she's in the lead. She gets thrown off her horse. And then she, uh, instead of like quitting, she she does a shortcut, gets back on a horse, and is about to win the competition before her aunt, played by uh, Robin Wright, uh, throws her down on the ground and says, you you're not ready to win basically. Yeah. And this is this whole sequence, I guess sequence yeah. is sequence is about something about how to be a true hero cuz she says something about no cheating. No, yeah, it's all about cheating, but it's also about something about she says something it's all about to set up the golden armor. It is, but it's also there's a connection cuz she said no true hero is born from lies. And With, I think man, the golden armor frustrated me so much, man. I think the golden <laughs> oh, yeah. armor is one of the worst <laughs> things about this movie. <laughs> yeah, but it looks good. Right, it makes a good poster. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, like, I, I, this is all spoilers, so I'm gonna jump against it. I'm gonna jump to the end of the movie. <laughs> she loses her powers. Why didn't she like use the golden armor like while she didn't, while she didn't have her powers? I don't understand why she puts it on when she gets her powers back. That that why yeah. she why she need it? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I mean, and also shredding the armor apart. 
I mean, so easily when uh, originally was stood up to like 300 Roman or whatever. 300. That's true. That's true, right? <laughs> I mean, and she did just and, tears it apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, Richard, you mentioned that this opening scene was supposed to be connection to to her decision to for Steve Ro- Roger or Steve Trevor to let her let him go because. No, yeah, true, well, because they, they said no true hero is born from lies, and I, I guess there's a connection there because I guess Steve Trevor is a lie. Yeah, I mean the the whole opening. Uh, I mean, for the the reason for the whole opening is to to you can't uh, cheat your way and to be happy or whatever to like to for for happiness, right? But it's so flimsy the connection though. I yes. didn't I didn't get it at right. all. That's I mean, why they should have just cut the sequence or saved it for another Wonder Woman movie or maybe for or no, a, just the Themyscira spinoff. You could like, you know, do a little flashback there in their head and at the end, like of her uh, telling the same thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, Robin Wright. Oh, yeah, maybe. Well, anyway, I mean, personally, I kind of love this sequence because it's, it was the only one that kind of feels like the original film. Yeah, it was the only one of, shot right. Right. And it also feels like it's like... This is kind of like a nice segue from the original to this new one. So anyway, so mm-hmm. that, that's interesting. That scene comes up, and then we get this with the the title cre- credits, and then we now we see Wonder Woman in 1984. It's Washington D.C. She's running around the city. She's in secret supposedly, but she's also in costume. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we cut to like the, the shopping mall scene, which everyone talks about. And here we see the gang of uh, crooks. They break into the shopping mall jewelry store. They snatch up some stolen imported artifacts and they try to get away. And one of them, in a desperate attempt to get away, takes a a little girl hostage. (laughs) And to me, this feels like the most uh, Richard Donner-esque, you know. And I think uh, this, or at least this was trying to be Richard Donner. And uh, because in the original Superman... Superman fought a lot of like dumb brainless criminals, you know, like these two bit criminals. And this feels like that. It feels like it was trying to get to the, to that, that spirit. Yeah. And, uh, Wonder Woman swoops down, uh, you know, with her golden lasso, kind of like Spider-Man and then grabs a little girl, saves her. And the, cr- the criminals are stunned and, uh, th- but she captures them, you know, mm-hmm. not before another little girl though, gets in the way of danger. And where Wonder Woman has to fling the girl across the linoleum floor into uh, the arms of this very large teddy bear, you know. And so it, that's, uh, again, it's like trying to be very cutesy, very uh, corny. And, um, you know, there's an eye wink with the, between Wonder Woman and the little girl. And she goes, shh, don't tell everyone about the secret, right? Because she's still supposed to be in secret. <laughs> <laughs> And so the, the the criminals are, you know, the way they end the scene is the criminals drop or drop from the sky onto a cop car. Kind of like, to me, it feels like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. I think this feels a little bit like Spider-Man and, and, and Donner Superman. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like a mixture of Donner and uh, Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man with maybe, I guess, a little bit of the Linda Carter TV series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. And so, and so there... From there, we go into Wonder Woman's apartment. We see photos of Steve Trevor. So there's another photo, though. I don't know if people caught, but there was a, there's another photo with Diana Prince with an older, older woman, which appears to be an oh, elderly Etta Candy. Uh, yeah. This is Steve Trevor's secretary, played by Lucy Davis in the original film. And Lucy Davis, the actress, uh, tweeted or, or Instagrammed this, saying, confirmed that that was her <laughs> as an old Etta Candy. 
And this made me actually think, and Rich or Raymond, you brought up how, how if this was set in the fifties, maybe this would have been a better movie if it was you know Edda Candy in Wonder Woman. Yeah, that would have been actually that would have been pretty fun. I really liked their relationship in the first movie. Yeah, because I I really loved uh, Lucy Davis's performance as Edda Candy. She was great, and they had a really great uh, chemistry between the two. I I who knows? I mean, there's a lot of possibilities this movie could have been. Now we get the introduction of Barbara Minerva, played by Christian Stwig, and she's a nerdy ge- geologist. This is her first day at uh, the Smithsonian Institution, and she is speedwalking to work. And this scene, I got Dr. Detroit vibes, <laughs> because uh, Dan Aykroyd in that movie, uh, the first time we see Dan Aykroyd in Dr. Detroit, he's a speedwalker, and I got the same vibe. And I don't know if that was a reference, but in my mind, I hope it is. <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> I guess I guess speed walking was a thing in the eighties, but uh, I I, saw, I I instantly thought it was Doctor Detroit. <laughs> but it, uh, anyway, she so she walks into the, the, the you know her work, and that's where she meets Diana for the first time. And it's you know it's a nice moment where they meet, and uh, this is also where the first time we see the Dreamstone. But it's such a like it's such a flimsy kind of idea. This whole Dreamstone thing. You could make it work though. They just they just didn't do it right. Yeah, and like like you you were mentioning earlier that they could have easily had this flashback scene where we saw the history of this. Uh, no, it should have just been the opening. Of, it should have been the opening of the movie, and it right. should have taken place like two thousand years ago in like ancient Aztec. It, it, the whole uh, that that Ravi Patel cameo was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Remove all of that. It should have been. It should have had connections to Maxwell Lord's uh, heritage. That would have made it more interesting. Because you know why? Why make him uh, his? Why make him Hispanic? Right? Was this he, could have been the, this be, could have, this could have been the reason. Was he supposed to be Hispanic? Because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and Barbara and Diana at this point get you know gets grabs a dinner and has this kind of really cool kind of uh, light moment. They're both kind of awkward, or they're both kind of loners, or I don't know, they're lonely people, I, I believe, right? I mean, that's I think yeah. that's the connection. And I think I, I could have seen a little bit more of that development of their characters that could have worked, their friendship. But they really didn't, they're not really friends in this movie. I think it could have been a much better, um, at least emotional, emotional punch when it, when it comes to the you know final showdown that if they were like really good friends or at least friendly right. the fact that they just grabbed a dinner doesn't make them friends or just makes them you know friendly colleagues. co-workers yeah colleagues i would have preferred if they just didn't do the whole cheetah thing and they just set the character up and set up their relationship and their friendship yeah but i guess in order to do that they they would have had to set it in the present right <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think they could easily. I mean, you could get to a point where she, Barbara, gets her powers. You know, we don't have to see her in full cheetah garb. Mm. Oh, okay. She might do the the super friends way, and she just must put on a costume. <laughs> no, or just just we just see her get her power. You know, become more powerful, and wait for the cheetah transformation in the in the next movie or whatever how will they do the transformation again um i see i don't i don't know the story of cheetah at all so i don't know how she got how she became a a cheetah (laughs) i'm i'm assuming in the comic books is some kind of science experiment i don't know i mean i I was hoping they were gonna do like a um island of dr moreau type thing (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, it's, I'm sure this is not the way she turned into Cheetah. What, how it's depicted in the movie? I, that's not how she, it is. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think it is either. So I think it, it must be some kind of weird science experiment or something like that. So who knows? I mean, we could just see, see her just get become powerful late in this movie, and then later, or at least tease it out like she is looking for some kind of ancient potion or something like that, and then like the like the end credit scene where she turns into cheetah or something like whatever. I mean, it, we didn't have to see that final showdown with 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 wonder woman and cheetah i felt like they just put it in there because they needed a uh something an action scene for the third act and it's a really quick action scene um let's talk about uh peter briscoe's introduction in this movie he comes in and he is max lord he is a charismatic oil businessman he comes in to meet barbara because he he knows the first time we see him is in in the in the very in the introduction of the movie he's in the background of the tv right Mm -hmm. right right and uh yeah, but when we see him in the movie where he's talking to another character, he meets Mar- Barbara, and he knows Barbara has the Dreamstone. She knows where it is, and he is—he is great in this introduction. Yeah, his, he's, his, he's fantastic. His introduction, yeah, I had no problem with his introduction. This I mean, is great. It's, it's not until after he gets his powers when he loses it. <laughs> but he's great here because he's also a local celebrity because he has appeared in a couple of these commercials, mm-hmm. and he's a pitch man. He's a motivator speaker. They're infomercials, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, and so yeah, he is a the Max Lord character is someone like a Tony Robbins, and he he also feels like a Gordon Gecko or like uh, J R Ewing from Dallas, and. So like all of this, oh, he like, wants to be, yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all this uh, con- um, concoction, you know. He's like it's a very eighties character, <laughs> right? And I, I think this is, and he Pedro uh, f- plays it really good, and I think Pedro and Wig has really great chemistry together in these scenes. Yeah, and I would have loved to see a little bit more of that, scene, uh, you know, add a little bit more to that, but we don't. Yeah, get that didn't that. really go anywhere. At this point, we we find that Max Lord is now a real kind of a businessman, and he's running a Ponzi scheme as as he, and he's losing a lot of money. He's on the border of bankruptcy, and this is the reason why he needs that Dreamstone. And uh, we also see at this point right now in the, in the movie, we see that uh, he loves his son Alistair, and this really is uh, makes him a different type of villain because the, the his love for his son kind of opens him up for a redemption later on. So. Um, What's your thoughts on Pedro's uh, relationship to his son? Completely underwritten and completely underdeveloped. Um, it, it could have maybe worked, but the way it was handled, it's like a joke. Yeah, they were trying to pull on heartstrings for that, but uh, it didn't work. Yeah, but it could work if you if you if you tried, if you developed it. Maybe if well, you, it worked better on, done... on on Chris Pine's uh, uh, and uh, whatever exit. So. Do you think they should? It would have been better if they just made him a completely like ruthless villain. Yeah, I think so. I think they should have. Yeah, maybe. Or at least, well, at this point, we just we just know that he's looking for the Dreamstone so he could have a better business, and 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 he wants to have a better relationship with his son. Who knows what his his intentions uh, is not? So because he only becomes evil when he becomes consumed by the the Dreamstone, and he needs more wishes, and so. I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> so right now it cuts to a huge dinner fundraiser scene. This was a good chance to have a really cool eighties song. <laughs> there, was, there was no eighties songs in the movie. It was. was, there was in this 
fundraiser scene. You know, this is the oh, oh, okay. Th- th- it was a, this is the scene where Barbara comes out in a sexy dress. This is where Diana comes in that white dress. We got Pedro Pascal tuning up the scenery. And uh, the great, you know, look, think of all the great 80s song that could have been used in this scene. Uh, Tainted Love by Soft Cell, you know. I Wear My Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart. I mean, it could have been anything. Uh, uh, Legs by ZZ Top, whatever, you know. It could have been like uh, uh, I Feel For You by Chaka Guy. Anything. What we got? Welcome to the Pleasure Dome by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That was the song they used. It's the worst needle drop ever in a movie it's like the worst song i mean i don't first of all i don't remember this song from freaking goes to hollywood they're better known for relax but to mm-hmm. use welcome to the pleasure dome th- this is probably the biggest <laughs> this is the biggest mistake ever because you heard 1984 you could use a ton of great music maybe maybe warner brothers is not wasn't willing to like just fork up the money for some of these films but they, no. the warner brothers they they have their own music uh, studio whatever I know. music a label and stuff i know i don't, whatever welcome to the pleasure dome but <laughs> it it must have been a song that patty jenkins loved i mean this, i'm telling you this is a movie that this is the movie she always wanted to see ever since her childhood but it would have made more sense like the glamorous life by Sheila e or something like that you oh, mean, it's just, i mean no i mean you you use huge hits. I mean, look at Captain Marvel. They had so many um, songs in there that they're, they're they're just horribly horribly picked. Right, right. I, I yeah. So I don't know. So this was a big big <laughs> misstep here. Just just you know, because it could have been a really it could have been just a, that that song they used in the trailer. The um the re- yeah the new order new order yeah um yeah that would have been better. That would have been terrific, and it would have like lighting up the spirit of the movie so far because so far it's just a bunch of exposition a bunch of uh, character you know introductions but you know what i i still i still think that song that uh, what was it welcome to the to the pleasure, pleasure dome, dome by frankie goes to hollywood okay i still think that was a, a better song choice than the um the classical song they used for the fish out of water montage with chris pine oh okay <laughs> That classical song was was uh, I, I, I why why didn't they use an eighty song there? Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The the the, uh, the but, but I guess because he's from uh, the nineteen whatever nineteen forties or nineteen twenties nineteen twenties. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't. I you know. I get. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Yeah. So, uh, also on this uh, fundraiser scene, this this dinner scene, this ball scene, whatever you want to call it, uh, we also get the first introduction of, of Chris Pine. Well, first we see him differently. It's a, he's a stranger. He's a handsome man. That's that's the the credit that's in the movie, and he is he's played by actor Christopher Poloha, and this poor guy will always be remembered as the guy who was not Chris Pine. Yeah, and uh, he is. In very much like an 80s trope, he is a, you know, it's like one of the lamest storytelling devices, the old, like, body-switching routine. It's, like, was used in every, like, reincarnation rom-com in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, like, so he comes up and he's, like, he's saying to Diana, look, don't you remember me? And he goes... And then he repeats the lines from the first movie. He goes, "I wish mm-hmm. we had more time. I could save. I could save the day, but you could save the world," which is something Chris Pine said. And this instantly 
sparks her 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 imagination because now she only sees Steve's in, her, in, his, in her mind. Now we only see Steve, right? Or right. Her. So this and so voila, we get Chris Pine back in this movie. Uh, and also, this is, just doesn't make sense. If it's it's if she already wishes Steve Trevor to come back from the dead, why not have him come back from the dead? Why not have him literally crawl out of the grave? <laughs> I would have preferred if it was like everything else in the movie if he just appeared. Yeah, that's true. Just let, I mean, the, the wall. But, but just, but, and I, I guess, you know, I guess maybe they wanted to make some dramatic buildup. He didn't have to appear, you know, at, at the, at her, at her work at that very moment. He could have just appeared at, at the later or whatever, you know? Sure. It didn't yeah. have to, they didn't have to do this weird little twist. I there has to be some reason, but that's, that's probably my biggest frustration with the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, so we go back to Max Lord and he's, this is where we, he turns into the Dreamstone itself. He's, he, he, with his one great wish, he, he wishes to become the Dreamstone. And he, and I guess on paper, that sounds like a good idea, but uh, in actuality, it just was pretty, just a, not a great idea at all. I, I, I would have liked if, like, it, throughout the movie, if he slowly started to turn into, like, a, a, a rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, you know, the monkey paw thing. Monkey's paw, yeah. Monkey's, the monkey's paw thing. Usually when they bring up this idea, it's for horror movies. I would have loved to see a little bit more horror. Like, you know, like, maybe he would turn into a, a gemstone or whatever. Maybe... Uh, like yeah. Steve Trevor comes crawling out the a grave like a zombie. Maybe he has like his flesh is falling apart. I mean, like really live up to like the horror stuff. No, I mean, well, yeah, I don't know about the whole Steve Trevor <laughs> coming back as a zombie. That's, okay, okay, that, maybe that's... that's too far. Maybe that's too far. But I mean, at least have some kind of because there's uh, as as is. It's like there's no uh, weight to it. Well, I mean, there. I think again, pa I think Patty was going for a more family friendly movie than the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's let's get into. I mean, like 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 I was mentioning again. Like Steve is very amazed at everything. He's amazed of cheese whiz. He's amazed of the airplane. <laughs> he's amazed of. He's amazed at fun, fanny packs and he's amazed, the, the he's, pants. He's amazed of uh, pop tarts. <laughs> I mean, so like he loves. He he actually says he loves the eighties, and he loves this place. And I think they should have really. They really should have leaned into this. They should have said, like, Steve, how about if Steve said, like, hey, man, I don't want to die. I don't want to go back then. <laughs> like, come on, Diana. How about if he said, like, let's get married. Let's have children. Let's have a life together. And I think that would have been like. Oh, a, that would have been. Oh, yeah, that would have been more interesting. Yeah, it would have been like a last temptation of Christ where Diana has to, you know, really kind of like says, say no to a, a whole alternative uh, life. Uh, where she is married and with children, and she has no, I got, I got to be a hero. That would have been well, well that have been a lot more like Superman too. Is it really? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even realize that. But I mean, I was thinking more like Last, last Temptation of Christ. But if Steve, but if Steve was like, which is basically Superman too, because <laughs> <laughs> the whole time he's the one, he's he's the one who really can't, comes up with the idea that no, 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 you have to kill me or whatever. You have to go. I'm dead already. And, you can't uh, cheat in life, Diane. Yeah, he, kill me. It wasn't really her decision; it was his decision for her. So I, I it doesn't, it doesn't really have that emotional kind of uh, gut punch to it. I think it, it, they were trying to get to. But anyway, so like they here we get a, a sequence where it's like Ferris 
a Ferris Bueller's Day Off where they, they play hooky from work and they spend the whole day together. And we see them like uh, spending, you know, it's, it's a, and again, it's a whole montage where Steve is amazing. Oh, it's a fish out of water montage. It's weird. Yeah. It's, well, I, I, well, it is, but that's what people say. But it's really just Steve is amazed with a lot of things in this montage. He's amazed at, uh, um, uh, escalators. <laughs> He's amazed at uh, subway uh, uh, trains, space shuttles. He there's a punk rock group that walks around in the museum. Wow, look at those people! B- break dancers. Wow, and then he's finally amazed of a trash can. <laughs> you know, so that's I mean, so stupid. I mean, come that's on. A, that, I, you know, that was a funny it's a joke. Good gag. It's for a funny trailer, joke. Yeah. yeah, and the trailer was. But I thought the trailer was much funnier. But well, that gag didn't work for me in the trailer either. <laughs> So you know, it's again. He's a, he's, a, he's totally amazed, and he loves the eighties. And he, I think if they would have just said, "Hey, man, I want, I don't want to, I want, I want to die. I want to live, and I want to be with you, Diana." I think that when she ultimately has to give him up, I think that would have been a much more kind of seriously, uh, you know, you know, the stakes are higher at that point. Anyway, so Diana and uh, Steve steals they steal plane from the Smithsonian, I guess. Uh, so this kind of again leads to a really kind of I don't know co- I guess controversial scene because it's the scene where Diana turns the plane invisible. Well, that, that I, also I didn't that, mind that, that, that also much. that I, Steve could uh, drive a modern uh, plane. Also, yeah, well, that, that that was a bigger issue. <laughs> I have more issue. I have more issues with the golden armor. <laughs> I mean, this was just a quick little thing, and I kind of like how they tied it to the the mascara from the first film. So I, I actually didn't mind it. Okay. Rich? No, it's an invisible plane. Voila. Mm-hmm. Look, let me ask you really quick, though. If they if they ever make a, another Justice League movie in the future, and they probably will, like, you know, I think they they recently said they're going to recast Ben Affleck after the Flashpoint movie. Uh, when, they, when they eventually do make another Justice League movie, if she does that power to make the, uh, you know, Batman's shuttle or whatever disappear... Would that upset you? <laughs> no, actually, this is this is actually you know to be honest, this didn't really upset me that much. I mean, I, oh, okay, I, I'm just I was, I, yeah, I didn't I was mind refer- it. I was for referring to the reaction on Twitter and or people or critics were were kind of complaining about this. Uh, to me, it feels like a, a, a like a comic book kind of idea. I mean, the, I mean, this whole movie is just to have like these magical and fantasy kind of elements. So yet, yeah, you just have to go with it. At this point, uh, this is where Steve teaches Diana how to fly, and he says, "Like it's it's wind, it's air, it's knowing how to ride it and how to catch it and how to join with it." Chris Pine does a really good job of delivering that line. <laughs> I I thought because he it's very understated, and I I know this line means a lot to Patty Jenkins because Patty Jenkins' father was a test pilot, mm-hmm. or or Air Force captain or whatever. This is really about her father. Yeah. So I I, I kind of really like when I was watching it I, I really like Chris Pine's delivery because I think any other actor would have like say, "Hey man, flying is like this, you know, it's wind, <laughs> it's air, and it's how you ride it, you know, mm. like would would have overreacted." And he's just uh, it's under his breath when he when he says this line, and I I liked it. the The only problem is I think. Chris Pine in the rest of the movie is very under his breath. It's like he's not, he's not really, it's like he's a really a ghost in this whole movie. <laughs> I think I would have preferred if he was a ghost instead of what they, how they brought him back. <laughs> well, initially, initially, we all thought it was going to be a Marshall Manhunter, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Marshall Manhunter wouldn't make sense with the whole Dreamstone thing, right? Yeah, but I'm sure they will just write it up. 
<laughs> this whole movie doesn't make sense. But I mean, if you want to like have some connection to the '80s, you could say that's like Starman or something like that, right? Mm. Um, so they now they're they, so they have to go to the Middle East and they go to Cairo. So here we see a scene where Max Lord is talking to an Egyptian oil baron, and he's played by Amard Wakid. Amir Amir Wakid. Amir Wakid. Amir Wakid. He's a Egyptian actor who who's really good in in the series Rami in uh, who plays he plays Rami's father. He's a really good actor. I don't know why he would agree to play this part because it's very this is a nothing role. It's a one dimensional thing. Gets a chance to wish whatever he wants, and he wishes that all my land to be returned, my essential home, and the 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 Bialin dynasty. This has also caused a lot of controversy because this has brought up imagery of like bad 80s stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But apparently, when he says the the Baalin dynasty, apparently this is a fictional, this is a reference to a fictional Middle Eastern nation in the comic books. Mm. This is actually a reference to Black Adam. Black Adam. Oh, okay. So this is actually, so I think this character, I don't know if this character will reappear or whatever, but this is actually something that I think the studio wanted to push in because they know that this is this is setting up Black Adam for something else. Okay. And it, this feels like a studio, you know, cramming something in, in a script. Studio mandate? <laughs> yeah. You know, for those who don't know, Black Adam is a future t- uh, movie production starring uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. And um and um they just kind of announced at last Comic Con that they're gonna they're gonna shoot the film. But um well I think I think I think the movie should never got out of Washington DC. I think this should have been just mm-hmm. like because eventually Max Lord talks to the president, right? Maybe that's the goal. We gotta stop Max Lord before he talks to the president. Even keep it contained to Washington D.C., which would make a lot more sense because she is not established according to the Zack Snyder universe. She's not established until Justice League, as a as a world hero, you know. Or, you know. Well, no one really knows her in this movie either, right? Yeah, that's the whole reason why she's in secret and when she when she fights. So no, but I mean, like, even though like she in the end of the movie she speaks to everyone, like no one no one's still seen her. Or yeah, anything, like and, and and again that that feels like it's just so lame. I, I, uh, it feels like a cop out, but I mean, I I understand that he could she they couldn't do that because of what has been established on Justice League. So Max Lord, uh, so the you know the whole we get the whole giant wall thing, and in return Max Lord demands to take his oil, but he says he sold it to the Saudis, and so instead he takes his army of security guards, and then that leads to a big action scene where we get a car chase between Wonder Woman and Max Lord and his new soldiers, and they, all green screen. I mean, I mean, I, I assume all these action scenes are going to be in green screen <laughs> anyway, so it doesn't. Who cares? But I, I, apparently this is supposed to feel like like uh trying to evoke the spirit of indiana jones because there's a tank there's you know there's trucks there's a you know at one point wonder woman under the truck yeah yeah wonder woman goes under the truck she flips the truck over you know leaps through the air and lands on top of a vehicle also we see that she is shot in the shoulder and she's bleeding so again she's losing her powers but uh, not fast enough, I say. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's taking really slow to lose these powers. And, and probably one of the most kind of uh, weird sequences was when she's saving the these little 
kids from the from the road. These little yeah, that's weird. Middle <laughs> Eastern kids playing in the road, and then but no, the, the the thing that really really shocked me was like she so she swoops in and she grabs the kids in the last minute because the, the the tanks and the in the and the trucks are coming down the road. Because she's losing her her power, she loses grip of, of the lasso, and then she lands hard on the ground. And at that moment, I go, "Oh my god, she killed those kids!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it looked like she killed them. Yeah, it looked like she killed those kids. And then apparently, no, she just did like a a barrel roll or whatever you call it, and then like she's they're alive. But I apparently she didn't really save those kids. She just like pushed them over. Yeah, actually, she put them in more danger. <laughs> Stuff that this seems like stuff that didn't really they didn't flesh out the details and 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 I I like the idea I mean I like the idea that she's losing her powers I, again I think her power should have been like lost much faster and then she should have been like really hurt but it has taken a very long time for loser but I don't know why it has taken so long because everyone had seemed to have right away lose their stuff you know when they once they wish for something <clears throat> but whatever um. So now we get to Max and he gets a one-to-one -one meeting with the U.S. president. He wishes for more nuclear weapons. In exchange, Max wants respect and authority. And also he learns about the global satellites. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he learns that particle beams touches people. And the, the emphasis here is touching people. And uh, this this thing, this supply with the, with the global satellites you know is probably the stupidest thing in the movie oh definitely this is the dumbest thing in the movie and this is when i i, I can't there's no way to to excuse this excuse one. yeah this is horrible this is just so stupid your thoughts <laughs> i thought they could have made it work better if it was again better written but as it is in the movie it, it it didn't really make any sense. Well, I do I do like that the president wants nuclear weapons. This is also a throw, throwback. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense because that's what the pre, you know the Reagan era. That's what the whole idea of it was the nuclear war or you know it was this nuclear uh, competition with Russia. Wouldn't it be more sense that there was no nuclear weapons? <laughs> no, because the thing is that if you have more, the the, the idea was that. Reagan wanted more nuclear weapons because that would give him more authority over Russia. Mm. And Russia was like, well, no, if you're going to make more nuclear weapons, we're going to make more nuclear weapons. So there was this nuclear war game. Or uh, just have uh, Russia have no um, that could have nuclear been, weapons. Well, that could have yeah. been it. That could have been nice. But then that would have... I don't know what that would have been. I mean, that they, that, want, they wanted to show the uh, greed thing. Yeah, the greed and humanity. I, and I think that the idea of the Dreamstone is that it corrupts people, and it, it really it, it taps into your like the your the worst uh, the worst impulses in, in your mind. So you would just want to wish for something negative or something horrible. Um, so we and so now we get into an action scene with Wonder Woman. She fights in the in the White House. Steve helps out, and then Barbara comes in to defend uh, Max. He re she rescues him, and this is our first showdown with Wonder Woman and Barbara, and this is a pre prelude to what is to come later. But I kind of like this scene. I mean, I kind of like uh, Christian Wiggs' performance in here. I mean, full on Catwoman or whatever, full on uh, Cheetah mode. No, no, this one, this no, one in the, the White, White House. House, in the White House. Oh, oh in the White House. Okay. This one in the White House where she was you know she's still looking normal uh but she's now like trying to rescue max because she, 
She wants to keep her wish. And I, I, that's it. That's all. You don't need to bring in Cheetah. I mean, you could set it up that Cheetah will appear in the third film or whatever, but yeah. this is it. That's all you need. You actually make this scene a lot bigger. Because once we get to the Cheetah showdown between Wonder Woman and her golden armor, it, it just, oh, but it, every everything else and everything else in the movie is so underwritten and so underdeveloped. I just think you have to cut Cheetah out because in order to make the movie work, you have to add so much more in. I think you could cut the Middle East. I think you could cut Steve Trevor as a different person. <laughs> I think you could rewrite that really quick. I yeah, think, I think you could add a nice eighty song <laughs> or two. I think you could cut some of. Um, I mean, I don't know what you could cut. I mean, you could cut some of. I, I think you could cut a lot of the Pascal stuff uh, with his son. I, I think you could cut his son the whole. You know what? I think <laughs> cut his son. Just cu- cut the son. Cut the son. Yeah, but he, I, he, he didn't even have any lines, did he? Right? <laughs> no, but oh, no, uh, he, he made one wish. He made one wish. He for for his for his dad pl- plan to come true, right? He he wished him to have some greatness or to be greater. Um, yeah, so you, I think you cut Max Lord's son, but you know, knowing Patty Jenkins's history, I this is her. This is her. She has you know, she loves her father, and everything's about her father in her movies. I mean, the next movie in Star Wars, Star Wars, what is it called, Rich? Rogue, Rogue Squadron. Squadron. It's it's all about her father. I mean, and I think. You you heard about the story about Patty Jenkins? Nope. No. Okay, so her father is an was a Air Force captain and fire, fighter pilot, and he died when he was thirty one mm. during a training accident. It was a mock uh, dogfight thing. Mm. She was seven years old when mm. this happened, so this was a tremendous uh, incident in her life. It, it shaped her life basically. And so, one of the first movies she saw after her father had died was Superman. Richard Donner Superman. Hmm. And this became a profound experience for her because that movie dealt with the passing of two fathers, Clark's human father and Clark's real, you know, uh, Brando. So uh, that's why she loves Superman so much. And that's why this movie feels like an, you know, an homage to that movie because that's when her, that's the movie that made her like a, you know, uh, it's not just a movie that made her a, a filmmaker, but it's a movie that just kind of uh, defined her life, right? <clears throat> so everything she does, I mean, I think Steve Trevor, the character, is her father too. I mean, it's it's yeah. I, I think that's why the first movie probably worked so well. Yeah. How's a third movie gonna work without <laughs> uh, Chris Pine? Well, I think in I think in big part maybe the movie's problem is. Is Chris Pine? Because if Chris Pine wasn't in it, w- would they have even used his whole Dreamstone scenario? No, I think this Chris Pine's storyline is what saved this movie. But uh, isn't Chris? But Pine, it wasn't like, done well. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's why I, I feel that this is, you know, when when Patty Jenkins uses these, uh, you know, the father idea and. Steve Trevor's back from the dead. I, I, it feels genuine. I mean, it feels like there's an emotional truthness to these ideas. It's just that the, the the details are lacking, or the structure, yeah. the the, the co- connective tissue of the movie just kind of just falls apart once you really think about it. And I think that's the problem. But the emotional stuff of the movie kind of works. It's just that the you know the f- the framework doesn't it, it doesn't hold up. I agree. Yeah, and, and why did uh, Steve Trevor have uh, gray hair on the side? 
Because <laughs> Chris Pine is getting older. <laughs> that's a that's a simple remedy, also. A little shoe polish. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even notice. It's a touch, a touch of gray. I think. Yeah, he. I did. I did think he looked older, but I didn't. Mm. I didn't notice like white hair. But he didn't have it in the first movie. Yeah, it was a young man. No, right? that definitely, he definitely didn't. Anyway, so um, and, and anyway, that's like the least of the of the movie's problems. <laughs> we'll fix it in post, mm-hmm. and no one told yeah. me. <laughs> uh, where are we in the movie? Uh, so we, so again, we, let's just really wrap this up because uh, uh please do. <laughs> the, the, well, we did the White House scene, so White now House. we're uh, she got she got she re- ran she renounces her wish. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. So after that uh, fight, uh, we see that Steve is carrying a badly injured Wonder Woman down the street of DC. Again, it's chaos in the streets. Uh, Steve takes Diana around the corner. She convinces her to renounce her wish, and she reluctantly agrees. And kind of in a steady cam shot, Diana kisses Steve goodbye, and she walks out the street and renounces her wish. And then she breaks into a full sprint, and she gets faster and faster as her powers comes back. I think this is actually a, a decent idea. Yeah, and this is the re- this yeah. is one of the only scenes that actually worked in the whole movie. Really? Do you think so? Because I thought yeah. I liked it too, but I just wish that there was a little bit emotional uh, the stakes. It's not as the effective st- as, as yeah. it's not quite as effective as in the first movie, right? And also, it is a something that happens in the first movie, so it feels like she's doing it again. It is. But, I mean, the whole thing. But I thought I thought Gal's performance was so strong during this scene. I thought that kind of that kind of made up for it uh, for me this time because oh. I her. Her performance was uh, during this moment. I thought was uh, the the strongest we've. Uh, I think just the best performance we've seen from Gal. Period. Okay. <laughs> up to this point, and that's why I think this scene would have worked if Steve would would earlier present her an alternative where she, they would get married or at least have like let's like say in the first day they met. Like let's think about life now. I'm back. We could get married. We could have children. You know, like we, if they have like these plans you know, in their minds, this scene would have worked a lot better. Well, yeah, they should, they I probably, agree. They probably, um, uh, should have went to the, the Trevor ranch, just like <laughs> in Superman two. And, and while the world goes to shit and she has to go, she, uh, <laughs> she reeled she, she finally turns on a TV and finds out that the world's going I, to shit. So she has to go you, save the world again. Now. I think that would have been a little too similar to, uh, <laughs> Super- no, wasn't that Superman three? Two. That was two. That was two. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, regardless, it's a little too similar to the Superman. <laughs> How about if she throws her um her costume in the in a trash can and then walks <laughs> yeah. down okay. the alley like like, Sa- like Raimi's Spider Man two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, I whatever the the that like kind of. Um, you know that steady cam shot was a beautiful shot, and her and then the idea of her getting faster, faster as because we assume that Steve is slipping away, <laughs> you know, like he's back in the dead, you know, and she gets faster, well, she, her powers comes back. He's not really slipping away because he, 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 the guy's still there, right? <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, dude, that guy's like in the middle of the of the chaos and going, "What the <laughs> hell like, happened, how, man? How did I get here? Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, but whose clothes are these? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's his clothes." Oh, was this close? Uh, yeah. What the hell am I doing here, man? Yeah. Did I lock my house? <laughs> yeah. What the hell's going on? Yeah, I know. I know. But the whole world's in channels anyway, so yeah. it doesn't matter. That's right. You know what? Or maybe he magically disappears and he reappears in his 
like where he last disappeared. I don't know. No. Who knows what the hell happens? Maybe, maybe. But I mean, yeah, nothing's explained. Yeah. <laughs> but Chris Pine is the one yelling from the uh, corner and whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, I actually, yeah, I think it's the best best sequence in the movie. Yeah. So and so at this point, she leaps into the sky and using the tail of an airplane, she whips her uh, lasso around. And she, she, now this scene has really angered fans. Yeah, she starts flying, but I, you know, if you look at it, she's really kind of gliding through the air. Yeah, she's uh, she's first. like uh, what she's like what Buzz Lightyear would say, you know, she's falling with style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this is what you know. She's learning the maneuver that she use, you know, she, that 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 Steve taught her, and and she's not flying. She using she like she's whipping the clouds around. She's using lightning. And, yeah, and, yeah, it's very uh, Spider Man. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, so I don't. She's not flying. Yeah, she is flying by the end. Yes. Well, not not it's that more scene. gliding. Yeah, it's not. She's using the air, like like what Steve says. Use the air, and then I forget what else he said, but you know. Whatever the wind, the wind that's what it was. Use the air in the wind, and then you know, that I she's gliding. I think I don't think she's flying anyway. So, um, Max finds the underground broadcast studio, <laughs> the government sponsored <laughs> broadcast studio, and then he broadcasts himself all over the world asking people to make a wish. Look, honestly, in the script, in the script, uh, I, I like the idea of it. I don't know what your issue with it is, but I like the idea of it. But I just wish in the script they had just made it that you that you didn't have to touch the stone. Oh, okay. And that you could, so he could just like tell people like directly. My problem is like, does he really need to talk to everyone in the world? He could have just used like, let's say if it's just if like they use my my idea was just keep everything contained into Washington D.C. Oh, like a local a local broadcast. Yeah, you could just use a real local broadcast. Oh, you could use. Oh, a- I I hundred percent agree because I have some issues when once it gets you know across you know other other countries and stuff you know overseas. Yeah. Yeah, but I, this whole idea that hey, he has to take over the world or at least grant wishes around the world, I, I, that's, I don't know. I it's think the so only much. reason I could kind of, I kind of just go with it is because I do appreciate the message that it, Patty Jenkins was trying to deliver at the end. But I mean, it, it's it's so it's so flawed. The movie's so flawed. It's it's like. Uh, well, Raymond, talk about what what Patty Jenkins was trying to to do there. Just trying to show like uh, that you know gre- greed is bad and if you know it's it's not worth it you know if it's going to cause you know all this harm and, and damage to the world and it, like it's kind of like a peace on earth thing it's kind of like <laughs> superman 4 <laughs> but but the thing with the thing with superman 4 is like it's not a good movie but i always appreciated what they were trying to do and i guess this is a similar situation <laughs> Where like I, I I don't hate the movie. I like the movie, but it's 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 a mess and I but I appreciate what they're trying to do. Yeah, they were they were trying to say that uh don't lean on a superhero to save your life. It's it's up to you you it's up to you to really make your own decisions to like uh be active and like you have to we all have to we all live in this planet basically the idea is like we all live in this planet we all have to share it and we all have to live together in in kindness and you know we have to yeah we have to you know yeah it's like world peace yeah it's world peace stuff yeah and i think i I think it's a little corny it comes off very corny but the whole movie is kind of like that too so it it, either you go with it you don't go with it um yeah so max is broadcasting around the world uh the, the Wonder Woman goes to stop Max. The way she stops Max by is by wrapping the golden lasso around his, his leg. Secretly. 
No, no, she he knows. I mean, and and, and forever not, or not till not till she reveals it. Yeah, and know. this is this is probably the most I'm not talking to you. This is the most probably corniest idea because this this lasso it speaks truth to people, right? The golden lasso. Mm-hmm. So this connects to apparently when you connect you wrap the lasso around his leg, it connects to the rest of the world, which doesn't make any sense. And she's able to broadcast her message, and it's just her voice. It's not her face, it's just her voice. And she is because you know she needs to be kept in secret. So she tells everyone that that they need to renounce their wish in order to stop the chaos, chaos, and bring balance back into the world. And through a quick flashbacks, <laughs> we see Max and his mother was abused by his father. Uh, when he was a young boy, mm. we see that uh, Max peed his bed. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we go to, I mean, this is just so fucking stupid. The, uh, kids are laughing at him when he's at school for eating a tamale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this is, you know, apparently the reason why he needs power and greed because uh, he wanted to eat tamales <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, I didn't. I didn't mind it at first when they're showing, uh, like his his father abusing his wife I'm, or his his mother. I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty that's pretty messed up. But then they show him pissing the bed, and I'm like, um, they're going they're going they're going very light with it. <laughs> and they kind of got lighter and dumber as it went along. The whole sequence, the whole flashback montage. But I, I mean, I it's it's so done it's so done careless, carelessly, and I think it's. It's just a way to like kind of boot. I don't, I don't know if it was the last. Maybe it was the last minute thing that they because they love Pascal's performance. Maybe they were trying to boost his character up or something. I don't know. It was uh, just an attempt maybe at they, humor. No, I don't think it was a temper. Well, I, 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 I don't. I don't think so at all. I think it was more just trying to bring build up that redemption thing. Oh, okay. All, and it was a te- yeah. it was an attempt to uh, feel sorry for him. Yeah, they were trying to redeem him. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. all about his fa- Max's Max's love for his son. It's all about that. At that point, I was like, you know, for me, Pedro Pascal's performance is one of the best things about the movie, maybe yeah. the best thing about the movie. So, but at that point, I was like, whatever. I mean, he's the best thing about the movie. I'm not. I'll just overlook it. Yeah, you. <laughs> I'll go with it. Yeah, go with <laughs> I'll it. I'll go with it. And uh, so, every, basically, everyone renounced their wish except Barbara. Barbara, Barbara, who by the way looks like Barbara at this point, we see a close up of her face. She doesn't announce, uh, renounce her wish, or at least she, or so, uh, we that's what we assume. Um, she should be happy to get the opportunity to renounce her wish. Why should she want to continue to look like that? <laughs> well, whatever the case is, it's it, we assume that Barbara didn't announce, renounce her wish, so she has maybe some superpowers left. Well, she she originally got the, her powers from the original rock, yeah. So, who knows? I don't know what's going on anyway. Final scene we get is a Christmas in D- DC. It's snowing <laughs> in IMAX. Is it IMAX really? Yes. Oh my god! And uh, you know, there's a scene of people having a wonderful time outside on Christmas. So there, the ends on that note. That's what. That's the weirdest thing about the scene to me. I was like, while I was watching it, I was like, did did it always end on Christmas, or was this like a, a like a reshoot that they just added last minute because they knew the movie was going to come out in December? Probably. Probably. So what was the original ending? Well, actually, the movie doesn't end on that that image. But um, yeah, I don't know. But then again, does 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 this mean like because everyone's back to normal? Does this mean everyone forgot what just happened? Like the everyone was in total chaos. I don't know. No clue. Nothing's explained. 
Uh, maybe that's what happened. Who knows? So the, the so the final image of the movie is uh, Wonder Woman flying or soaring through the air. Who knows? And this is like, again, kind of like Christopher Reeves in Superman. Yeah. So, and then the final, final, final ends, uh, we get an end credit scene, a cameo by Linda Carter. Again, I don't know what that means. Is she going to be in part three or the, or the next one? Or I mean, what is, is she a real thing or is that a real character? What the, I don't yeah, even know. It's, that. A real ca- it's a real character. So is she coming back? Is she going to be part of the, 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 the sequel after this one or possible? Uh, no clue. Yeah. It, it, or that's just fan service trying to say, hey, we, we recognize Linda Carter it as could, Wonder Woman or. It could be something just really, really cute, you know, a little cute, little nod to the fans that grew up with Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. I guess, but I mean, does uh, that mean Asteria, the this legendary warrior, is she still alive? Then I guess. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't know if she's gonna show up in Wonder Woman three. Maybe it's all it's possible. I just I, I think after the reception that the movie received, I think they're gonna try to avoid all the kind of. Um, everything that they tried to do with this movie you know i know that patty jenkins ha- does have some kind of a relationship with with uh, linda carter so maybe they are planning to bring her back but who knows i mean like i i, I would recommend uh, everyone to listen to mark Barron's interview with patty jenkins because i did not know about her background and she 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 talked in great length about her background in history i thought she was she was an interesting interviewer or interviewee okay and really quick bef- before we go before we go, um, I don't want us to do a DC ranking because we just did one earlier this year. Maybe <laughs> we'll do one when uh, uh, the, the Snyder Cut comes out or James Gunn's uh, Suicide, Suicide Squad. But I, I, I'm curious because I do think the, the script issues in this movie are, are significant. What, what, what movie do you have more issues with, this or Batman vs. Superman? Hmm. Oh, Batman vs. Superman. I have more issues with because about which one do you think has a worse script? Hmm, that's a good question. Because, that's tough, right? Because that's tough. both of them are very. I mean, I think uh, because Batman Superman. I think they have similar issues. Yeah, they have very similar issues, and they're both kind of like just over, you know, overstuffed and just long, too long. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're and they're both yeah, they're both overstuffed, and they're both missing a lot. Of- I'll say this: I think. Wonder Woman 1984 is a very watchable movie, even though uh, it's long and all that. I don't think I could sit down and watch it. <laughs> Batman well, you're, Superman you're, again. You're, you're going to have to sit down and watch it again when we review the Snyder Cut. <laughs> what about a? Uh, oh, you talk, you, you talk. You talk about Justice League or, or Batman versus Superman? Both. Uh, yeah, both. I think Justice League is very similar to to Wonder Woman 1984 flaws wise or script wise it just as as it's something is that because i find just as like a watchable movie mm-hmm. but yeah the, me too but but um i uh, concepts but, and, and but it's also a much shorter movie yeah yeah <laughs> that's true that's true but i i find that justice league had like concepts and ideas that didn't work well and needed to you know it feels like different well i mean that movie actually had to, way too many problems with studio interference <laughs> two directors and all that stuff where this this movie 1980 or Wonder Woman 1984 definitely feels like one cohesive film. I just the script was was not the greatest. What do you like more, Wonder Woman 1984 or Solo? I I personally like Wonder Woman more, but I'm sure you guys like Solo more. I like Solo more probably, but mm-hmm. I mean both films like. No. All right, what do you prefer, um, Wonder Woman 1984, Captain Marvel, or Birds of Prey? 
1984. <laughs> wow. For me, I think uh, 1984 and Birds of Prey might be tied. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I right. like both of them, though. But. Okay, I got one more. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 or <laughs> Superman Returns? Oh, Superman Returns. Which one's that? The Brian Singer. Brian Singer? Brandon Ruth. You know, I haven't seen it for the longest time. I don't know if it still holds up. I don't know if... I remember liking it. Yeah, it was fine. But I like the movie. I like the movie, too, but I, I'm going 1984. At least as of now. <laughs> did you see it? Did you see it for the second time, 1984? Or you just saw it that one time? No, I saw I saw it twice. I saw it twice when we before we reviewed oh. it the first time. Okay, <laughs> and you know what? Everyone in the movie is good acting wise. Everyone yeah, is everyone, good. everyone's great. So that's I think that's that's why it's so watchable. I mean, uh, there's no. It's just that these these things don't connect well. It's a messy script. Messy script. All right, so that was this episode of Inside <laughs> Flicks. A deep dive into Wonder Woman 1984. All right, so uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. Uh, um, Rich, where can they find Inside Flicks? Well, in 2021, they could find us in InsideFlicks.com. All right, there you go. All right, th- thank you for listening. Bye bye, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs>